we're taking a look at the questions that people ask themselves during that very first Christmas. Several weeks ago, we took a look at Mary. And the question that she asked herself was simply this, will I accept God's mission that he has for me? I think that's an important question that you and I need to ask ourselves for, uh, about, to God about our mission. Last week, we took a look at Joseph. And the question that he asked himself was, will I trust God when I don't understand what's going on in my life to fulfill that mission. And I hope you ask yourself that question as well. Today what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at what I call the wise guys. And the question that they asked themselves. You see, questions are important. Questions can determine the destiny of our life. And the more questions we ask ourselves and the more honest we are with the answers to those questions, the further we go in life. And we see this with these wise guys. Now these characters happen to be my favorite. They are so interesting and part of it is because we don't know a lot about them. We know some things. The Bible tells us that these wise men were called magi. Magis were philosophers, they were uh, scientists, they were astronomers, they were well-educated, and they were wealthy. We don't know exactly where they came from. The Bible says that they came from the east, and many speculate that that was from Babylon. Why? Because they knew the scriptures. And we've studied the book of Daniel before. And Daniel was in Babylon. And he had a huge impact on that culture. We don't know how many there were. We know that there was more than one. Many of us speculate that there were three. There, there could have been two. There could have been five. We don't know. But we think that there were three because they gave three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The story of the wise men starts in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's read this. And Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. Now stop right there and I want you to circle the word Bethlehem. In Hebrew, that means the house of bread. Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread. And he was born when Herod was king. Herod was not a legitimate king. He was appointed by Rome because, folks, he just kissed up to him, uh, up to them. He, he was a puppet. He was a phony king. And so as a result, he was hated by all the people. And that created a paranoia about him. He, he was scared to death of other people, and he wouldn't allow other people to get close to him, even his own family. He killed his wife and he killed a number of his sons. And so when he hears that there is this new king of the Jews that's been born, folks, because of his insecurity, he is freaking out. Let's continue. When Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? The only way that they would have known that was by studying the Bible Wherever they were from, and we don't know, uh, Persia, China, India, we don't know. But folks, we know this. They knew the Bible. 
They knew the prophecies. They knew that God was going to send a Messiah, a savior of the world, to save people from their sins. Even though they weren't Jewish folks, they knew this. In verse three, it goes on. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now this star, it's not an unusual thing. Before we had GPS on our phones, you know those things? People used to use the stars to navigate in life. When King Herod heard this, he, he was troubled as well as all the people as well as all the people in Jerusalem. And why not? I mean, if Herod's not doing well, guess what? He's going to take it out on someone around here. Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ would be born. And they answered, in the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet wrote about this in the scriptures. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are, are, are important among the tribes of Judah. A ruler will come from you who will be like a shepherd for my people Israel. Then then Herod had a secret meeting with the wise men and learned from them the exact time they saw the star. He sent the wise men to Bethlehem saying, look carefully for the child. When you find him, come tell me so I can worship him too. Folks, he didn't really want to worship them. Not at all. He, he, He wanted to kill the competition And we know this because later in the story, when the wise men didn't show back up to tell King Herod where baby Jesus was born at, he sent a delegation of Roman soldiers and they killed all the children in Bethlehem from the age of three and below. We know from the story last week that Joseph and Mary escaped because Joseph, though not understanding everything that was going on, obeyed. Because of his love for God. Verse 5, it goes on. After the wise men heard the king, they left. The star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. Folks, this was some kind of star, was it not? It first led them to East Jerusalem. And then it led them to Bethlehem. It hovered over Bethlehem, and it was bright. Because that's where Jesus was at. And where was Jesus at this point in time when the wise men showed up? Look at what it says in verse 10. When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy, like Marty mentioned. They came to the house. Will you circle house? where the child was and saw him with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Notice that they didn't worship Mary, they worshiped Jesus. And where was Jesus at? In a house. He wasn't in a stable. The baby had been moved to a house. Now I know if you go outside in front of the church, you will see our manger scene and you will see The shepherds, you will see Mary and Joseph, you will see even a dog, okay? I don't know what that dog is doing in that manger scene. Someone came up to to me just this past week and says, George, that's a shepherd dog. Oh, well, that makes sense, okay? I didn't know the shepherds had dogs back in Israel, but it, it makes sense. It was made in the Philippines, by the way, okay? 
though we have all the characters gathered around in, 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 at the manger scene, folks, it didn't happen that way. The shepherds and the wise men never met. Now, in saying that, I am not saying that you need to take your manger scenes and throw them all the way, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they just didn't get there at the same time. Let's continue in the story. They opened their gifts and gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, as we begin to ask ourselves some questions in regards to our mission in life, Will I accept it? Will I say yes in advance, though I don't know it, because I understand that God made me to love me and he's after my good. That I've been made for his glory and not vice versa. Will I trust God when I don't understand it? When I don't understand what's going on in my life? Will I be obedient? And then this third question. And I want to take a look at two things. First of all, what made these wise men wise? But secondly, how how do I decide what to give Jesus who has everything? Folks, this is an important question that you and I need to ask ourselves in, in, in regards to our mission in life. And that is, what will I give to fulfill it? These wise men gave the right gifts because they were wise. And they were wise for five reasons. The first one is this, that they were seekers of truth. Wise people seek the truth. They weren't happy with speculation They were not happy with guessing. They weren't happy with wondering. No, they wanted to know the truth. They wanted to know the truth about life. They wanted to know the truth about God. They wanted to know the truth about themselves. They wanted to know the truth about their past. They wanted to know the truth about their future. You see, wise men and women want to know truth. This is what these wise guys did. Verse 2 Where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? They were seeking truth. It's interesting, as you and I survey the landscape of of our culture, there are two types of people that exist. There are speculators and there are seekers. Speculators are those that guess at the truth. They, They say things like, you know what, I think God is like. Or I like to think of God as. Folks, that's not enough, is it? Well, we don't want to be speculating about the truth in regards to God. We want to know it. Uh, What you might like to think of God as may bring comfort to your soul. But guess what? It could be wrong, right? Yeah. What we want to know is truth. We want to know the truth about God. I have found that speculators, they, they, you know what they like to do? They they just like to talk about God. Oh, here's my opinion, here's this opinion. They like to argue about God. Seekers, on the other hand, you know what they do? They ask themselves questions. That's what these seekers did. Where is Jesus, who is to be born the king of the Jews? Seekers, 
study. Obviously, these wise guys, they studied the scriptures. Uh, wise or seekers like to watch and observe. Obviously, that they were doing that. They, were, they saw this star. And lastly, they were willing to go the distance. And that leads to the second thing that made them wise. And that is that they were willing to go to any length to find truth. Folks, I think that's wise. This Christmas, in the hustle and bustle of shopping and doing this and going to parties, isn't it amazing how many parties we go to all squished up in about a month? Wow. Oftentimes, though, we miss out on truth, don't we? This Christmas, are you going to seek truth? Let's just get out of this season. Next year, when I put a period to 2019, on January 5th, and then on January 12th, I talk about the future. You can't have a great future unless you have a good ending, right? Have you learned that principle? You gotta have a good ending to have a great future. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to find truth? This is what these wise guys did. In verse 1, it says, they had come on a long journey from the east. And you want to know something? It cost them. It cost them money, and it cost them time. And what is so ironic is that Bethlehem, ground zero for God entering into human history, is just six miles away from Jerusalem, the religious capital of the world. Filled with religious scholars, filled with uh, politicians, filled with businessmen. And not one of them was seeking Jesus. And so they all missed Christmas. The political leaders missed Christmas. The business leaders missed Christmas. The religious leaders all missed Christmas. The only people that got in on the very first Christmas, obviously, it was Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and Zechariah, the, the, the parents of John the Baptist. Simeon, who was uh, the priest in uh, the temple that, uh, on Jesus' dedication. A few shepherds and these wise men. And they traveled a long distance to get there. The third thing that made them wise, as you look at this story, is that they didn't stop until they met Jesus. Folks, this is what made them wise. In verse 11, it says, they finally came to the place where Jesus was. There are two mistakes that people make on their journey to truth. The first one is this, they don't finish it. And the second one is, they don't start it. These wise men did neither of those. They started it, and they finished it. They finally came to the place where Jesus was. Let me ask you this, this Christmas season. Have you finally come to Jesus? If you haven't, I hope you do today, honestly. And if you don't do it today, I hope you don't stop until you finally get there. Most people 
sometime in high school or college begin asking themselves what I believe to be the ultimate questions of life, which are, who am I? Why am I here? Does my life really matter? What about my past? What about my future? Uh, Is there a purpose or a reason for my life? Folks, I happen to believe those are the most important questions in life. And yet what oftentimes happens after we get out of college is that we get distracted with making a living and not having life. We get busy to make a living. We find that career. We get married. We start having kids. And life moves along great until life, boom, bumps into us. And blindsides us and, beg- and wakes us up. And we start asking those questions again. Let me tell you this. I'm going to do a whole series on this. At the end of January, when life surprises you. When that happens and you begin to ask those questions again, that's good. Wise people are willing to keep seeking until they finally meet Jesus. The fourth thing that made them wise was that they came for the right reason. They came on search of truth. They came on search of Jesus. Folks, they came searching for the right reasons. In verse 2 it says, we have come to worship him. Why were they doing that? To show gratitude, to show honor, to show love. I don't know about you, but I'm really skeptical of people that use and abuse Jesus in our culture who are celebrities or well-known figures. Aren't you? I'll never forget when I came to know Christ 47 years ago, and I told my dad, of course, He knew me better than I knew myself, I mean. And he knew me better than I knew him, honestly. But I told him, I said, I've given my life to Christ. Dad, I I hope you do that someday. And you know what my dad told me? He looked me square in the eyes and said, I'm going to be watching you to see if it's the real deal. I find a lot of people in our culture use and abuse Jesus for their own ends. Will you write this down? God doesn't exist for you. You exist for God. And politicians use God and they use Jesus' name. They just throw it out there just to justify themselves to reach their own ends. Business people do, marketing people do, military people do. But these wise guys, they came for the right reason. The fourth thing that made these men wise, beyond having wiser wives. Just had to say that, I didn't want to get a card. That they gave Jesus the best they had. Folks, they didn't have a white elephant gift exchange where you just got junk out of your, your, uh, your closet and wrapped it up and gave it to somebody, okay? 
They didn't give Jesus the leftovers, okay? They didn't give him worthless items. They didn't even go out in the last minute and buy a gift card from Starbucks. Sorry, I just ruined some of your Christmas, okay? No, every one of the gifts that they gave Jesus was purposeful. Take a look at verse 11. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, circle that, treasures, and gave them their gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. What's the significance of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, let me give you just a nutshell. Gold is a gift of kings. And what they were saying by giving gold was this, that, that this baby really isn't just a baby. He is the king of kings. Frankincense was an incense that was used in the temple to worship God. And so when they gave frankincense, they were saying, this baby isn't just a baby. No, he is the Lord of all lords. He is God. And myrrh was a spice used to embalm bodies, dead bodies. And so they were saying that this baby didn't just come to live, he came to die. This baby isn't just the king of kings and the lord of lords. No, he is the savior of the world. And he has come to die for the sins of the world. He came to die for you. That your past might be pardoned. That your present might have purpose. And that your future, you will know that you have a place in heaven reserved for you. And they came on Jesus' very first birthday to give him those gifts purposefully. Now let's just say this. Let's say I planned a birthday party for you. Okay? And I invited all of America to your birthday party. 327 million plus people. And, when, and, and I told them, I want you to bring a gift. I want you to bring a gift for the birthday child. And when they all show up and I tell them, okay, give your gifts Everybody starts giving gifts to everybody else, but you don't get one. How would that make you feel? You'd feel a little left out, wouldn't you? I just described Christmas in our culture. Everybody's giving gifts to everybody else. And no one is giving a gift to the birthday boy. You see, the question is this. What are you going to give Jesus for his birthday? How you answer that question, I guarantee you, will affect your destiny. It will affect the quality of your life. It will affect your mission. Now, I know for some of us, and this is definitely true for Cheryl and I. I mean, people ask us, George, what are you going to get Cheryl? I'm not going to get her anything. Okay? I mean, she has everything. You go up and ask Cheryl, say, Cheryl, what are you going to get George? <laughs> He's impossible to buy for. Anytime he wants something, he just goes out and buys it, okay? Some of us are at that stage of life. Am I right? 
I mean, we're just hard to buy for. So what do you give God who has everything? You give God who has everything by first understanding that he doesn't. He doesn't have you unless you give him four things. The first one is this. If you want to give Jesus something that he doesn't have, you give him your trust. Folks, faith is a voluntary matter. He doesn't force you to trust him. And he doesn't have your trust unless you give it to him. Now, how do you know if you trust him or not? By asking yourself this question. What are you expecting God to do in your life this Christmas? Are any of you expecting God to show up with a good surprise in your life this Christmas? What are you expecting God to do in your life? In your health, in your finances, in your marriage, in your career, in your relationships, in your mind, in your heart. What are you expecting God to do emotionally, vocationally, financially, mentally, spiritually, relationally? What are you expecting God to do with your troubles? Whatever you're expecting God to do, I guarantee you this. He's going to do that and more. But if you're not expecting God to do anything, well, I can guarantee you this, he's not. Take a look. I love this verse in light of our troubles. Take a look at Psalms 50, verse 14. I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and you can give me glory. Folks, God knows the things that you are going through vocationally, financially, spiritually, relationally. The question is this, will you trust him? The second thing that Jesus doesn't have, unless you give yourself by doing this, is, is this, make him first place in your life. Because that's where he belongs. Folks, he's God. The very first command of the Big Ten is have no other gods before me. Anything that you and I put ahead of God, that becomes an idol. And that idol could be a job, it could be a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, it could be your career, it could be money, it could be a number of things. And those things in and of themselves, they're not bad at all, really. They're great as number two things but they're not created to be number one. And if you put your trust and make those things number one, you are going to be greatly disappointed. Now you may be sitting here and you may be asking yourself, well, how do I do that? Well, let me give you an acrostic, which, which will not surprise you. I'm an acrostic type guy, okay? Write the word first. How do you do this? How do you give him first place in your life? By making him first. F stands for first in your finances. 
I give God first. I, I want to just share this with you. You know, I, we're big on single moms, okay? Homeless moms. We support seven different partners in, in our community. Emily's Place is on the list. You may say, well, what about the other ones? Well, Emily, Emily's Place is one that didn't make our, you know, our Toyota thing where we gave five or a million dollars to the other four, okay, through the grant that we got them. So I think we're going to honor we're going to honor Emily's place, okay? We're going to make it a, a significant organization that we get behind because they deal with single moms. But do you realize that even the single moms in our church, and I don't mean this demeaning in any way, but they don't always have the means. But they give a little. They give what they can. And by doing that, they're making God first place in their life. And when we see that, our heart is even more generous. We're going to help these moms. So F is first in our finances. I is first in our interests, our hobbies. R is first in our relationships. S is first in our schedules. We give them the first part of our day in the morning. And T is first in our troubles. And God says, if you will make me first in your life, I'll take care of everything else. Take a look at Matthew, what Jesus said. This is a promise, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, that is his mission for your life, and his righteousness, that is your character, and all, will you circle the word all, because all means all, all the time. The other things will be given to you as well. Folks, this verse is either true or it isn't true. If this verse is either true or God is a liar. God says this, if you will just give me first place in your life, in everything, you're not going to have to sweat it. I'll take care of those things that concern you. The third thing that you give Jesus on his birthday that he doesn't have unless you give this to him, and that is this, I give him my heart. I love this verse. Psalms 37, verse 5. Open up, open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. Folks, I love this verse. It says, if I open up my life, if I give God the good, the bad, and the ugly, if I give God the things that I am ashamed of, and the things that I'm proud of. If I give him the ups in my life and I give him the downs in my life. If I come to God and I say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving you my heart. God says, okay, I'm going to take over and I'm going to make everything right. You give him your heart. Now, what is your heart? Your heart is what you love. Your heart is what you value. Your heart is your treasure. How do you know if you've really given your heart to Jesus? Well, Jesus makes this really clear. In, Ma in Luke 12, 34, he says this, Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there also what whatever you put your whatever you put out for you value 
Whatever you put out for emotionally, financially, vocationally, relationally, you value. If you put money into it, guess what? You care about it. Wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Now let me explain this, okay? HP is just down the road. I could care less about HP. I care about the people that are in HP. But I could care less about HP. But let's just say I invest a lot of money in HP stock. All of a sudden, what happens? I start caring about HP. This is what the wise men did. They invested. They gave their gold, their frankincense, and their myrrh. And folks, it revealed their heart. Let me explain this further. God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. He owned all the money before you came into this world, and he's going to own all the money after you leave this world. It's all God's. That's why God said this in Hosea 6.6. I don't need your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't need your offerings. I want you to know me. For 47 years of my life, I've known Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And over those 47 years, 31 of those here, I have discovered that the more I give, the more my heart grows for God. Because where your treasure is, there's your heart. This Christmas season, we're not a church that thinks about ourselves. We're a church that likes to give beyond our walls. This Christmas season, we want to give our Christmas gifts, not our tithes, not our normal offerings. We want to give our gifts to those who are found in that pamphlet right here. I would encourage you to look at it because we have a whole process in determining. And there are mission partners. We are on four continents of the seven in the world. And we've got two that are local. Uh, Soul Church and then Emily's Place. Can I encourage you to show your heart and love to God by giving beyond your normal giving, beyond your normal ties to these things. Now here's what I know. Throughout history, God has always figured out a way to get people's attention. If you are a seeker, God will provide you, I guarantee you this, a traveling guide. These wise men were seekers, and God provided them a traveling guide. It was called, or is called today, the Star of Bethlehem. God will provide you 
a star. And my guess is it's already around you. You just need to look for it. You might ask, who or what might it be? Well, I know from my own personal experience with my family, 47 years ago, God provided me a girl, woman, young lady, hot little chick, Cheryl, who is my wife. I love her and I adore her, but she helped introduce me to Christ. She was and is my star. For you, it might be your spouse. It could be a child. All my kids came to know Christ at a young age, but what I discovered is this, that at least, well, for Aaron and Matthew, who have my grandchildren right now, when they had their babies, those babies provoked within them the right kind of questions to begin asking so that they could really mature. Have you noticed that children do that? Those kids were like a star in their lives, helping them move towards truth about who God is and what God wanted them to be. I would have us know that David, the one out in D.C., is starting to ask the right questions now. Because Sarah, his wife, is going to have a baby. And so I'm sitting down with David, and he's asking the right questions. And that baby that's in Sarah's womb is like a star in the night. You have a star. Stars are provided by God to guide us during dark times. I would encourage you to look for it. Now, you may have already found Jesus. This gets to the fourth point. Who are you going to be a star for if you found him? The fourth one is I bring people to Jesus. The number one thing that God wants is a family. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God made you to love you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants you to be in his family, and he wants as many kids around his throne when he decides this is the end of human history. And so this Christmas Eve, who are you going to be a star for? Who are you going to invite to Christmas Eve services? A friend? A relative? Spouse, some of your older kids that you're concerned about. God wants you to give all of who you are to him. And 
these four ways. And as you do, he's got you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for these wise men. I thank you that through their life, God, as much as we know about them, we can begin to understand for ourselves just how to be wise. How to be that person who's on the journey towards truth, who doesn't stop until we get there. And who's always asking the right questions and always willing to pay the price that we might have just a little bit more of Jesus in our life, that we might be more reflective of who Jesus is in our world, that we might be that right kind of star that uses Jesus' name, not for out of self-interest, but rather out of bringing honor and love and glory I don't know where you're at in your journey towards truth. Maybe you haven't come to Jesus yet. But if you haven't, would you, would you? Would you just say in the quietness of your heart, maybe as, maybe as a result of this message, maybe as a result of a star in your life that you just heard whispering in your ear during this service, would you just, would you just say, God, today's the day. I want to give you me, God. I admit that I've sinned, that I've blown it, that I've made mistakes, things that I'm not proud of, but I'm opening up my heart, God. I'm giving you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I believe that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are my Savior. And right now, I just want to open up my heart and ask you to come in. And if you said that in your own words, as much as you understood, God heard you. You are heaven bound. Will you just let me know? I couldn't think of a greater Christmas gift that I could get. Knowing that you are in right relationship with your creator God through his son, Jesus Christ. Would you just take your communication card and just write your name, maybe an email address where I can just email you some stuff. Rejoicing with you, celebrating with you, and giving you some things that would just help you in your journey. And so, would you do that? Take that card and just throw it in the offering plate as it goes by. Lord, we thank you for this season that we're in. We thank you for that very first Christmas. We thank you for the questions that rise up in our hearts during this season. And some of them are more impactful than others, but God, they, they, they all have an effect on our life. They determine our quality of life. They determine just kind of where we're going, how we answer them. And so God, be in our time. We lift this up to you. In Jesus' name, amen.